Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. My name is Danny, and this is the 5571 Podcast. For those of you new joining us, the 5571 Podcast discusses all the latest theme park news, especially news about Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort, what to expect, the future of Disney parks, and so much more. So we have a lot to get into this week, and I want to just dive right into it. And if, again, if you are new here, we have two different segments in this podcast. There's the 5571 News segment where we go over all the latest things you need to know this week. And then we go into the last half of our episode called the Main Street Topic, where we cover at length one topic um, to kind of finish us out uh, for additional discussion. So if you sounds good to you, feel free to hit that join button or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Um, so you can be getting the latest episodes in your library or in your news feed for this podcast. Um, they're going to be coming out every Tuesday. And I'm so glad that I moved it to Tuesday this week because there was some additional news that dropped today that made me have to re-record this intro um, and add it in because it's going to be um, a, a news that a lot of people are going to want to know. So I'm going to put that in here as well, but let's go ahead and get into the news. Starting off first over at Disneyland Park, my friend Scott Goosen posted on Twitter an update that a lot of us were not expecting. It definitely caught a lot of us off a guard and um, definitely surprising going into the summer season with this one. But it looks like Peter Pan's flight, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and Alice in Wonderland, all in Fantasyland, will be closing simultaneously on June 5th. Uh, they're going to all close for refurbishment. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be any changes to the attraction or why they're closing. And it's also worth noting that these attractions do not have a reopening date set. Now, this was different than just a catch where you find the refurbishment listed on the Disneyland Resort Hours of Operations calendar, like a lot of people are sly to find sometimes. Um, this was actually listed um in each of the attractions descriptions when you go to them on the website. It has a little please pardon our pixie dust kind of notation there talking about how beginning June 5th they will go down for refurbishment and it says please check back for updates. So doesn't provide us any information as to why it's under construction or for how long. Um, it is worth noting as well that all three of these attractions share one large building. So if you're looking at the Disneyland Resort, the Disneyland Park's castle, Sleeping Beauty's castle, it's going to be everything on the right-hand side of the castle. So um, they all share one large building. If you look at it from Google Maps, it's pretty easy to see um, one building where they all kind of split up uh, and all the different attractions are inside of it. It's, you don't even know when you're there. It probably seems like it's a different building for each one, but they do a really good job of kind of separating everything and, of course, with sight lines and different building facades, you never even know. It's the Disney magic, right? So um, another building in this building also is shared with the uh, the Fantasyland restrooms there that are kind of themed to Alice in Wonderland. So not sure if this affects that as well, too, but that particular building and all the attractions inside of it are going into refurbishment. No word on why this is happening, if you could take a guess, potentially, we had a pretty bad rainy season, right? And some of these buildings are pretty old. These are really old attractions at Disneyland. In the case of Peter Pan, that's an opening day attraction at Disneyland. So, um, And so is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So essentially, you might hypothesize, you know, we had a pretty bad winter season again, lots of rain, um, and maybe some of these buildings presented some leaking water issues um, that weren't present before with based on just how much water and 
you know, rain was falling out of the sky over the last, you know, three months during the winter season. So um, this could maybe have caused or started to cause some problems. And before it became an issue where it was causing like electrical problems or messing up equipment, they just decided, hey, let's go ahead and refurbish this. That could be a theory. Again, these are all just speculations. We don't really know why. All we know is that they are going under refurbishment. So unfortunately, if you have a trip planned this summer, Peter Pan's like your favorite thing, Mr. Toad's your favorite thing, maybe Alice in Wonderland is, they're all going to be closed. And we don't know if it's just going to be like a week or if it's going to be longer than that, because um, it hasn't really been specified just yet. This is also a little crazy considering that right before that, on May 30th, um, the last day of operation for Splash Mountain, as we know, will also be that day. Uh, so we're going to have four pretty popular rides closed during the summer season, which is supposed to be one of the busiest seasons at Disneyland for guests visiting and for local annual pass holders or magic key holders visiting. These are four major attractions gone um, and essentially a lot of capacity, especially for kids going in the morning in Fantasyland. So, um, you know, do we see something like this replicated for the left-hand side of the castle once this has been completed? Do we see Pinocchio, Snow White um, on the left-hand side close at some point later on? Potentially, we don't know. We'll have to kind of wait and see and keep an eye on this one. But definitely kudos to Scott for sharing that one. It was very unexpected. and I don't think anyone else reported on that. Uh, so, you know, if you are planning a trip, like I mentioned, make sure you keep that in mind or you plan around it. Also over at Disneyland Park, a little bit of sad news for some Fantasmic fans. Over the weekend, Saturday, April 22nd, during the second performance of Fantasmic, the Maleficent Dragon, um, or the Big Murphy Dragon, as a lot of fans and cast members like to call it, actually had a little bit of an issue, um, technical difficulty, and caught fire during its performance, um, causing the entire dragon to actually completely go up in flames and malfunction. Um, there were no cast members, performers, or any crew injured, and they were all safely evacuated off the island, which is great to hear. Um, when it became clear that the dragon was, you know, going to become engulfed in flames and it was getting a little crazy with the amount of smoke that was coming off of it from all the videos that you saw on social media, you could just see how excellent of a job the cast members were doing in evacuating the guests out of the area. And this was completely smart, right? They didn't know what the situation was going to turn into. Um, you know, there's obviously fuel in the dragon because of the fire effects, um, could the explosion be a lot larger to where um, guests might get injured? But in addition to that, there was a ton of black smoke, and that black smoke could have been pretty toxic and poisonous um, because of all the plastic and other kind of electrical things that were burning. Um, it's definitely not something that you'd want to breathe in. Smoke in general obviously isn't, but some other smokes can be pretty toxic and bad um, if you're exposed to them. So getting the guests out of the area and evacuating all the attractions was a good call, and the cast members really helped do this very quickly, very calmly from all the videos I saw on social media. Now, Phantasmic's Dragon, like we mentioned earlier, um, has had a bit of a troubled history, but it's also been pretty reliable through the many years that it's had its performances at Disneyland. This dragon, I think, came out in 2009, so it is pretty old. It's almost approaching 20 years old at this point, and it's a pretty large animatronic, right? It's, you know, almost 45, 46 feet tall. 
Um, and it, you know, comes out of a basement stage on a big hydraulic lift. So there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that can have issues, and it regularly does have a lot of issues, which is why it's, you know, received that nickname Murphy, um, you know, kind of based off Murphy's Law, I would imagine. Um, it's a term of endearment for the dragon, and a lot of cast members that work in it, crew that work with it, guests that appreciate it through all the years, um, you know, appreciate Murphy in that way, and they provided that nickname. Um, but uh, there are versions of Phantasmic that can go on and operate without this dragon because it can have technical difficulties where things might not happen. Um, you know, this, if you haven't watched Phantasmic before, um, you know, the iconic scene from Sleeping Beauty where Maleficent transforms into the giant dragon, this scene is recreated in Phantasmic, and many times, you know, when they raise Maleficent up as she's transforming into the dragon, they hide her with giant water fans, they project the dragon transforming, and then the water fans disappear, and the dragon has emerged, um, and then lights the river on fire. Sometimes, you know, Maleficent will pop up, the dragon does not come out, the water fans come back down, and Mickey just battles Maleficent on her large podium uh, as she's raised into the air. I've seen that as an alternative before. Additionally, um, sometimes Maleficent will go up, water fans go up as well to hide her, she does retreat and go back down again, but the dragon also doesn't come out. And in this particular mode, they just keep the water fans up and project the dragon and its fire-breathing effect onto the water, as well as Mickey battling the dragon. Um, so the whole scene takes place on the water fans, but the river is still lit on fire to kind of give that 3D immersive effect um, for uh, that whole particular scene, which is a pretty iconic ending finale, right, for Phantasmic. So there are variations of this show that can go on and will go on without the dragon. Now, I was there the day after on Sunday to kind of see what the aftermath looked like. I was not there on Saturday when it happened. I normally do go on Saturdays, but I just didn't go on this particular day. Um, and I was there earlier Sunday morning. I was able to get on the Mark Twain to kind of get a better, closer look at everything. They had already covered it all up. Um, some um, other, you know, news sites and uh, creators were there earlier in the morning. My friend Mondo was there, like basically at park opening with a few other websites that were posting as well, too. And they actually saw um, what was left of the dragon um, being quickly covered by the cast members. Uh, and some might say, you know, why wasn't it covered over overnight and, you know, just opening to the guests completely covered? Well, we have to consider, too, this was a fire, right? And, you know, Anaheim Police Department and Fire Department were involved. Um, and, you know, potentially there's insurance involved, right? Um, all these things probably require investigations. Definitely, there's always a fire investigation to determine, you know, how a fire started. So, a lot of these things could have been taking place overnight and throughout the night, um, and they weren't allowed to touch it or, you know, until they figured out or determined the cause of the fire. Um, and so maybe it was just until that time in the morning when they were given back the area and were able to cover it up. Now, this all takes place on the island, Tom Sawyer's Island, on a stage, and then the guests watch from the Rivers of America um, in New Orleans Square and Frontierland. Um, now, I was there, like I mentioned, on Sunday, and Tom Sawyer's Island, where the stage is located, never opened to the guest while I was there on Sunday, um, and I don't think it opened the next day until later on either. So um, I actually haven't verified if it has opened since then, but 
um, at least the day after, it was not open. So it did affect it in that sense. And of course, a little bit later in the day, Disney actually issued a statement um, about the fire um, to a few reporters and uh, news outlets. And I'll go ahead and read what that said now. So Disney said, During the final showing of Fantasmic at Disneyland Park on Saturday evening, the dragon prop caught fire. Anaheim Fire and Rescue quickly responded and the fire was extinguished. All cast members were safely evacuated from Tom Sawyer Island. Due to smoke and wind, attractions near the island were safely evacuated of any guests, and the cause of the fire remains under investigation at this time. We are temporarily suspending fire effects similar to those used at Disneyland Park's Fantasmic at select shows and entertainment experiences globally out of an abundance of caution following the Fantasmic prop fire at Disneyland Park. The continued safety of our cast and guests is of utmost importance. So they issued a statement right afterward kind of confirming everything, letting them know that the fire was put out, that no one was injured, which a lot of people were really interested in making sure that no one was hurt. They were worried. They were concerned, especially the guests that, you know, had witnessed everything happen um, and also issued a statement, right, that they were going to be pausing fire effects. Uh, We know at least of three different fire effects at Disneyland used in their nighttime spectaculars, obviously Fantasmic being one of them. Uh, Wondrous Journey uses a lot of Fantasmic or pyro-like effects all over the castle, as well as World of Color. Uh, World of Color 1 uses fire fountains, right? And it uses that one large fountain at the end to kind of cap everything off. In fact, that alone causes some controversy too. You see almost on a weekly basis, that gigantic fountain of fire over at World of Color, creating that gigantic smoke ring. And the smoke ring, you know, depending on the wind patterns that day, can blow over Disneyland, over California Adventure, and really stays intact for a really long time. And a lot of people always film this and post it on Twitter, on TikTok, and call it a UFO and say this is a weird natural phenomenon, but in all reality, it's just a giant smoke ring caused from fan- fan- or World of Color 1. So, <laughs> uh, but we can confirm, of course, um, at least for Disneyland, um, the World of Color 1 show um, did not have fire effects uh, that evening. Um, and I don't know about Wondrous Journey, but I would assume since they said they paused it, they didn't have it there. And then Disney World specifically called out that they would still use some fire effects in their fan, uh, Fantasmic, um, but they would cease the fire effects from the Maleficent Dragon in their Festival of Fantasy Parade, which, for those that didn't know, also famously burned down in front of guests after it used its fire effect. So this is not the first time a Maleficent Dragon has unfortunately burned down or completely burned um, from fire effects at a Disney theme park. So um, that is all we know, at least right now. Now, there have been rumors um, going around, and I don't know if any of those are true at all. Nothing's been confirmed by Disney, of course. Obviously, at the time of recording this podcast, Fantasmic has ceased all operations. There's no Fantasmic going. You know, currently right now, there's a giant 
tarped wall around where the dragon was, which this would prevent the Fantasmic show from going off because so many performers use that stage uh, during the show. Uh, there's so many elements that use that stage during the show. So um, with that big box being there, they can't obviously perform the show until that's gone. Now, we don't know if Disney plans to completely replace the dragon maybe with the you know the same exact thing reaching out to the manufacturer who helped them build that or if um they plan on coming up with something new completely to replace that uh given the opportunity now that it it is no longer there like i mentioned it was approaching almost 20 years old at this point so potentially it could have been on their mind as something to be replaced in the future um, but we also have to take into consideration that Disney as a company is going through massive layoffs right now and is not keen on spending a lot of money. So um, we might potentially just see the B mode of Fantasmic where the dragon scene takes place on the water and the show can continue, right? They need to have the capacity for this Fantasmic show throughout the summer season. It's going to be key for them in holding a lot of these guests and, and obviously providing entertainment as well, too, in the nighttime area, in addition to just the fireworks. So, um, But back to what I was saying about the rumor, rumors were, were swirling almost immediately um, that April 28th um, of this week would be when Fantasmic returns. Um, in that altered mode without the dragon. Um, to me, that seems pretty quick, but Disney also worked really quickly to kind of clean up this uh, incident right after it happened. And um, I know Fantasmic going into a busier season is going to be important for them. So I would imagine uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to get you know, an alternate version of the show up and running by the 28th. We'll have to wait and see again. Nothing has been confirmed. All we know right now is that um, fire effects have been temporarily paused as well, but we don't know when those are going to return either. So a lot of stuff went down. It was a crazy, crazy time. I was actually able to share um, my opinions with a few news stations, actually, um, where I talked about the dragon and, and Murphy. Some people had tagged me in it. I think the only one that actually ended up going live was with KCAL 9. Um, I had posted some pictures on Twitter uh, from the day after uh, when they were cleaning up kind of everything. And um, some news stations were wanting to use it and also talked to me about my opinions on the show and how it might be affected. Um, there was a lot of other creators they had reached out to and were interviewing as well, too. Um, and it was interesting to see kind of the world's eye on this particular incident. I mean, it's not all the time you see a massive fire like that take place in front of all the guests at Disneyland. Um, so this was a pretty crazy incident, and I'm glad that no one was hurt. And, it, you know, again, kudos to all the cast members who really went above and beyond to make sure guests were evacuated and evacuated safely and quickly. Um, because truly that's what I saw the most on online. And I really didn't see a lot of panic. Um, you know, there were people going like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like with the fire, just like couldn't believe what they were seeing, but there wasn't really a lot of panic. And I think that was in largely part due to the cast members and, you know, getting the guests out of the area as soon as possible. And I would imagine the attractions probably, um, evacuated just as smoothly. So, uh, again, kudos to them. Over at the Walt Disney World Resort this past weekend on Saturday, which was Earth Day. 
Um, Disney's Animal Kingdom actually celebrated its 25th anniversary. The park opened in 1998, and they had a really fun ceremony at the front of the park, just in front of the Tree of Life, uh, with a bunch of characters. They were actually singing the song Welcome from Brother Bear uh, in a pretty similar style to what they used at Disneyland for uh, the Parade of Dreams. Um, But it was a really fun little segment. They had a bunch of characters that you could find and performers that you could find all throughout Disney's Animal Kingdom, um, just celebrating the park and its, you know, long history now, 25 years, um, as one of the best theme parks, in my opinion, domestically for Disney parks. Uh, and it's my favorite Disney park in the United States, right? I haven't been to any of the international theme parks yet. Um, my goal is to do Tokyo Disney next. Um, and I'm sure Tokyo Disney Sea will probably be one of my favorites based on what everyone says. Um, but for now, on the parks that I've been to, Disney's Animal Kingdom is definitely my favorite theme park, Um, and I wish I would have been there to celebrate 25. I was there to celebrate 2020, just 20 years as well, and and I've been there almost every year since then as well too, but this uh, is a special time. Now, I will be going to the park soon, um, and hopefully there'll be some 25th anniversary merchandise left over, because not only did they have a fun ceremony, but they had a whole line of 25th anniversary merchandise, special food offerings they were having, so a lot of fun things in store for guests that are visiting uh, the resort right now and going to Animal Kingdom. In addition to that, they finally got a Moana meet and greet officially at Animal Kingdom as well, too this same weekend. So a lot of stuff over there Uh, and definitely check it out. If you're planning to visit Disney's Animal Kingdom, you don't want to miss it. Back over at Disneyland Park, the Matterhorn has officially gone down for refurbishment again. And it looks like when I was there over the weekend, um, they had erected scaffolding around all the water features on the Matterhorn. And in fact, on one of the major water features had already removed a large portion of the mountain and were working on some structural things. So it looks like maybe some of the exterior work or maybe interior work needed to be done around these water features. Obviously, we know water is always pretty damaging, uh, and they've had an excessive amount of rain, like we mentioned, for the Fantasyland attractions potentially that are closing. Um, so who knows what maybe water was getting through inside the Matterhorn that they need to adjust and and fix. So not only do we have all those other attractions um, closing there uh, in Fantasyland, but this attraction is starting to be closed now and is actually set to reopen June 2nd. So just before those other attractions in Fantasyland are going to be closing. So trying to impact as little as they can. Um, but if you are planning a trip between now and June 2nd, unfortunately, the Matterhorn is going to be unavailable. Um, but it will reopen on June 2nd. So if you're going afterward, you'll have the Matterhorn available once again. Also at Disneyland Park, the Disney Vacation Club member lounge, I think also known as the Starview Lounge, which is in the former Star Wars Launch Bay building, officially opened to Disney Vacation Club members. Um, And the lounge is a pretty sizable one. And it definitely has um, a lot of places to relax, sit down, recharge. It would be nice in the summertime to head in there for the air conditioning. Um, They're going to be offering complimentary snacks to Disney Vacation Club members as well as um, some drinks. I saw guests walking out with coffee. Uh, And there's, of course, also a Coca-Cola freestyle machine. Uh, There's really great pictures on the inside that were posted by Disney Parks blog. I think as well as Laughing Place was able to check it out on opening day um, and provide some footage and video 
uh, of what it looked like and kind of what's offered inside. So if you are a Disney Vacation Club member and you happen to be visiting Disneyland Park uh, on your upcoming visit, don't forget to go to the lounge because Disneyland hasn't had a Disney Vacation Club member lounge before. So this will be the first one. It's nice and new. Go in there, check it out, grab some air conditioning and recharge your devices and uh, just relax for a little bit, especially, uh, you know, take advantage of those perks as a paying Disney Vacation Club member. Over the past week as well, Disney Parks also did a special halfway to Halloween segment where they confirmed a few things, obviously saying that Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party would be coming back to the Magic Kingdom. They provided a bunch of dates um, for the different parties that are going to be happening starting in August for the Magic Kingdom, as well as some pricing on some of those days as well too. And they also confirmed that Oogie Boogie Bash was returning this year for 2023 at Disney California Adventure Park, but they did not provide any dates or any pricing for Disneyland Resort. So we're going to have to wait and continue waiting. <laughs> like we usually get last minute for everything at Disneyland when it comes to pricing for Oogie Boogie Bash. Um, but we do know at least that the, sh- the party is confirmed to be coming back. And a lot of people like to plan their fall trips around that. So you can plan around probably a similar time as what happened last year for Oogie Boogie Bash if you'd like to go to one of the events during your vacation. Uh, they also shared with us a new look at some of the merchandise, some food items that would be returning, and new costumes coming for Mickey and Minnie this year with a more... Uh, forest green and like burnt orange combination look it actually works really really well Uh, it's kind of a nice diversion from the typical orange and purple you always see on everything Halloween related at Design Resort so a total new color scheme and um, really excited to find out that Oogie Boogie Bash is coming back I'll definitely be going to this year's party Um, it's one of the after dark events that I don't think anyone should miss if they can um they usually usually go all out for Oogie Boogie Bash. There's always new characters to see and interact with. Um, and there's a parade. You know, there's really just more offered in this After Dark event than there is at any of the others. So I really feel like you get your money's worth out of this one. Now for our Main Street topic, I wanted to go into... Um, a new segment and series that I'm going to do where I highlight different good neighbor and also Disneyland Resort hotels and kind of go more in depth on what the property is like, what it offers, and what prices you can expect to pay. This is a huge request from a lot of people um, about this topic. Now, I did an episode of this um, quite a bit ago. I think it was one of my first episodes with Mondo where we just briefly talked about some of the hotels that we liked surrounding the Disneyland Resort. Um, as a good neighbor hotel, but I wanted to do a more in-depth kind of comparison for people that are maybe looking to plan, looking to shop around for a different hotel. Um, And I wanted to start off first with some good neighbor hotels um, in the area, since we've talked extensively about things like the Disneyland Hotel and Disney's Grand Californian Hotel more recently with some of the renovations and news just going on over there. Um, But this hotel that I'm going to be talking about is definitely one of my favorites. Um, It's a luxury hotel, but it has affordable pricing and is really close to the design resort, in my opinion, uh, and still walkable for a lot of people. Uh, And that's going to be the JW Marriott Anaheim Resort. Uh, Now, this is a fairly new hotel. It actually opened in 2020 or 2021. Um, I think it was scheduled to open in 2020, but because of the pandemic, of course, delayed its opening a little bit. But either way, the hotel did open before the theme parks did. 
Um, and we actually went to go check it out because it was a pretty big deal when it opened. Um, you know, to check out the accommodations, to see what the restaurants were like, to see what the ground was like. You know, JW Marriott's are at the top end of the Marriott brand, so people have high expectations for them, and they were really excited to see a hotel like this come to the Anaheim Resort area. Um, you know, typically you see these only in major cities like Los Angeles and Chicago. So, you know, there's uh, it was a surprise to see it come to Disneyland. But just to give you an idea on pricing, some people might think, wow, top-of-the-line Marriott Hotel, um, you know, luxury hotel, it's got to be really, really expensive. But in actuality, at the time of recording this podcast episode, um, just a quick Google search for the latest rates at the JW Marriott Anaheim Resort, we're coming back with options from the regular website at $260 a night. Um, and then other options like booking.com, hotels.com, etc., going as low as $230 a night. So there are some really affordable options um, and nights at this particular hotel. Now, of course, there are some nights, depending on when you go, that can get a lot more expensive. But even then, you're still looking at prices significantly cheaper than what you're going to be paying on property at, say, Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa or Disneyland Hotel, where you're typically paying above $600 a night for, for the most part. You know, there are a few exceptions here and there. Disney does offer some 20%, 25% discount periods. Um, I think right now they are offering one of those as well, too. But the pricing at the JW Marriott is really, really competitive, and it has great accommodations, uh, and in my opinion, it's not that far off. Now, as far as location, some people don't know where this hotel is located. Um, if you are familiar with Disney Way, which goes right up to Disneyland Resort, but doesn't enter the resort in any sort of parking situation, um, and if you're familiar with Catella Avenue, which a lot of people utilize to access the Toy Story parking lot, um, Catella Avenue also runs past the Anaheim Garden Walk. Now, this hotel is located or situated in between Catella Avenue and Disney Way on a street called Clementine. And if you ever parked at the Toy Story parking lot uh, and you've taken a shuttle uh, from the Toy Story parking lot to Disneyland Park, you've probably driven by the hotel because the Toy Story lot shuttles drive past this hotel on Clementine Street. Um, and for those that walk from Toy Story lot, you might have walked past this hotel as well, too. Now, if you've chosen to walk from Toy Story parking lot, the walk from uh, Toy Story to the front entrance, I believe, is like 15 minutes, maybe a little less if you walk faster. Um, this is a little bit less than that because you actually walk past it on your way to Disneyland. So I would say about 10 to 12 minutes for a normal pace from this hotel. Um they don't offer a shuttle service, at least when we were there, they didn't. And I don't see anything about it on their website. Um, but you can, of course, do an Uber uh, close by if, if you want to, to the hotel, uh, from, you know, from the main entrance to the hotel. But it isn't that far of a walk. They have a bunch of different accommodations as far as room types, two queen beds, king beds, etc. They do have theme park views. Uh, the hotel does face towards the theme parks. They have views inside Disneyland Park and of Disney California Adventure Park. And more importantly, they also offer amazing views of the fireworks, uh, especially as the higher up you get in the tower. And which we'll talk about in a little bit when it comes to dining, they have a rooftop restaurant and bar. 
called Parkestry, which has open air dining on the roof um, that you can watch fireworks, you can have drinks, cocktails, etc. Um, it's really, really um, an amazing view from up there. Uh, in fact, we actually visited that a few times before the parks had opened, just to get a look inside, uh, to see some things like Avengers Campus and stuff back then when they hadn't opened to the public yet. So um, there are some uh, really great views from up there. So if you haven't even uh, done that before, definitely add that to your list. But we'll get to the dining in just a second. Now, we briefly talked about location. This hotel is attached to the Anaheim Garden Walk. So at the same time, just off the lobby, there's a garden area. And that garden area actually has a gate directly into the Anaheim Garden Walk. So as far as dining and shopping options, there's a lot available at this hotel in addition to what they have because you have all the access at the Anaheim Garden Walk just around the corner. So that alone is a really great perk at staying at this hotel. But onto the dining at officially at um, the JW Marriott, they have a few restaurants on property as well too. Um, one of which I've dined at already, uh, or two of which I've dined at already, and one I hadn't. So there's um, an actual steakhouse or chop house there called Toca Ferro Italian Chop House, uh, which is like their fine dining option. Um, it's only available for dinner. Uh, they also have a more casual restaurant called Citriculture, which is where um, actually Mondo Five Fires and I had a chance to dine uh, when the hotel first opened, as well as the Parkestry Rooftop Bar, which we talked about just a second ago, um, which is the highest rooftop bar and lounge in Anaheim. So um, it's a pretty amazing view up there. Um, there are a bunch of different sections you can sit at and each one offers a really great view. And if you don't have the best view from your seat, you can always get up and walk around. Um, but this is mainly a rooftop bar, but they have full service menu up there and different, uh, appetizers and accommodations. They do require reservations, um, and sometimes can accommodate walk-ins here. Uh, and they will, of course, work with guests that are staying at the hotel first in those particular situations. Now, there is a Starbucks in the lobby. Um, it isn't an official Starbucks. It's kind of one of those we proudly serve Starbucks locations, but it is available to hotel guests for some kind of quick grab-and-go breakfast in the morning uh, for those that are getting that early start heading to the theme parks. And the reason I wanted to mention those is because as far as restaurant accommodations at local nearby resort hotels, there really isn't hotels that have options like these. This would be something that you would get at one of the Disneyland Resort hotels, you know, where you're staying at the Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, and they have multiple restaurants and a bar and lounge available for you. This isn't something that you find at a lot of the Anaheim Resort hotels. Now, a lot of Anaheim Resort hotels offer breakfast in the morning with some sort of breakfast buffet, or maybe they have a small cafe, but... Um, featuring two major restaurants as well as a rooftop bar and lounge is just something that not a lot of the hotels offer with maybe the exception of the Westin, which we'll talk about too in another future episode. Um, but this is a really great option for that reason, in addition to being attached to the Anaheim Garden Walk for that additional dining like the Cheesecake Factory, the CPK, the P.F. Chang's, the Bubblegum Shrimp, etc. Now they do have a really great pool deck as well too here at the JW Marriott. I wouldn't say it's like the best pool deck for kids. Um, it definitely has more of an adult feel uh, when I saw it. There's um, little day cabanas and full cabanas available for booking. 
Um, you can actually even book those if you aren't staying at the hotel, um, if you're just interested in going to a really nice pool during the summer and, and uh, aren't interested in staying at the hotel but just want to book the pool for a day, you can actually book some of those cabanas, which would include access to the pool as well too. But there are some really great options locally around Disneyland that offer some great kids accommodations for pools, and we'll talk about some of those too in future episodes. But this particular pool definitely gives that like adult Vegas vacation kind of vibe to it. Um, obviously, kids can still swim in this pool, um, but it's not the most kid-friendly, I guess you could say. It's, you know, there's a bar that opens up right to the pool. It's definitely got that um, resort relaxing vacation vibe to it that's more adult-centered. I think one of the things I liked the best about this hotel, especially when we went uh, right after it first opened and they were kind of giving tours to a lot of guests walking around, is the attention to detail that went into some of the theming and decor here, um, really bringing in uh, some of the Orange County inspired artwork and theming throughout the hotel. Um, really playing into like the garden outside in. There is a garden just off the lobby, like I mentioned, that connects to the garden walk. Um, they actually use that for some of the outdoor dining for the Citriculture restaurant. Um, the pool area fully opens up from uh, into the lobby with the bar with the bar that's attached. So there's a lot of open air feel to this hotel, which is something you usually see at like Hawaii hotels and not really something all that common in any of the hotels at the Disneyland Resort area or Anaheim Resort area. Even with the Disneyland Hotel and Disney's Grand Californian Hotel, they don't really open up to the outdoor spaces. Um, the Grand Californian Hotel, of course, does a really good job of bringing the outside in with decor, but um, this hotel kind of really felt open in that way um, and just had a really unique design and layout. Um, I, I can't really say enough good things about this hotel. It can be, like I mentioned, um, pretty affordable, and there are some times when it's not as affordable, uh, but I think overall, if you're looking at planning a vacation at the Design Resort and you're considering a hotel outside or off property, I would definitely include this particular hotel in your search. Not a lot of people, like I mentioned, knew that it was there, um, but it is an excellent option. Now, if you are looking for more kid-friendly options as far as like bunk beds or maybe a full kitchen in your room um, to do some, um, you know, some snacks and other items that you might want to do, you know, with having a bunch of kids or a more kid-friendly pool option. Um, we'll be talking about some of those options later on. There's some really great hotels with water parks and, you know, full kitchen accommodations and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people looking for just a nice relaxing getaway, something really upper scale, upper end. Um, and this is one of those great accommodations, just like the Westin. There are a lot of business travelers, too, traveling to Anaheim, looking for great options to not only um, have, you know, great dining available, but close proximity to Disneyland, as well as, let's not forget to mention, too, this hotel is not that far from the Anaheim Convention Center, which, of course, hosts many events throughout the year, uh, including past events like Star Wars Celebration, Disney's D23 Expo, they have the Natural Food Products Expo here, the Fit Expo, all sorts of things that can bring guests here. So if you are looking to visit and vacation in the Anaheim Resort area, uh, the GW Marriott is a great option. I'm not sponsored by them, just as a disclaimer. Uh, I'm not being paid to say this. I didn't receive a free stay there or anything. I just really enjoyed the accommodations when we went. 
Um, I felt like it was a really big deal to have a hotel brand like the JW Marriott in Anaheim Resort. It was a big deal for Anaheim. Um, and I feel like it really brought um, up the area, especially on those hotels on Catella. Um, and it was really um, a cool, unique offering That's that was something not really offered at the design resort, except for the hotels on property. So it's a great alternative, especially for guests that, you know, maybe are part of the Bonvoy Club, the Marriott, um, you know, rewards and points club. So if you are, like I mentioned, considering vacationing at Disneyland, don't count out this hotel, do some pricing on it. Um, you might be pleasantly surprised at how affordable it is. And the accommodations are amazing. And if you don't already subscribe to me on my YouTube channel, make sure you are subscribed because like I mentioned, I'm going to be doing a more visual, similar series to this on my YouTube channel where I focus on these hotels, um, give you visual tours of them, show you what the hotel properties look like in that moment. Maybe I can actually reach out to the hotels as well too to help um, get some tours of what the rooms look like now as well too um, to show you that um and then, of course, when I can, I'll book a night at some of those places um, to also share my experience of what it was like to actually stay there. Um, and then, of course, the most important thing I always show when I do Anaheim Resort area hotels is show the proximity of getting to the parks and what it's like and also dining availability. That's a big one for a lot of people. People need to know where they can eat and what time they can eat and what's available to eat. So um, I'll show more visually what that's going to look like. And um, I don't know exactly when the first episode will be coming out, but make sure you are subscribed on my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, so I can actually um, let you know when it comes out. We can, uh, And then give me your feedback, of course, on uh, episodes like this and future episodes on the YouTube channel about these hotel projects. A lot of people have been asking about them, so I think it's going to be a fun thing to do, something a little bit different that kind of sets me apart from other people. So I'm looking forward to doing it as well. Um, and if you aren't, like I mentioned earlier, subscribe to the podcast here. Make sure you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to. Hit that subscribe button, that plus button, this the join button, whatever it is on your podcast platform, so you're notified about new episodes as they come out. It's going to be every Tuesday for the 5571 podcast. Um, so make sure you've got that tuned in. New episodes dropping at 5 a.m. on Tuesdays. Um, as they come out. And there's a lot more news coming, not only at Disneyland Resort, but Walt Disney World Resort um, for lots of things to cover. Of course, all these attractions we've been talking about going under refurbishment, but not only that, updates just continue to come. We talked about Downtown Disney in the last episode, so there's uh, endless things to talk about. So make sure you are subscribed. And like I mentioned, my YouTube is Just Ask Danny. You can also subscribe to me or follow me on Twitter, um, at Just Ask Danny as well, too. I'm actually pretty active or mostly active there when it comes to news and kind of my in-park goings. Um, I felt like it was a little bit more easier to share that kind of stuff there than something like Instagram where it kind of disappears right away. And I don't always like spamming a bunch of people on their feed with updates on Instagram as well, too. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram if you would like. That's also Just Ask Danny. It's pretty much Just Ask Danny on every single platform. And if you'd like to send an email with feedback, questions, or maybe future requests of different hotels you would like me to look into or review or talk about on a more in-depth level, you can do so at podcast at the 5571.com. Again, podcast at the 5571.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you on the next one.